0: Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast. We are in a new year. Happy new year to you and to your family. I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, the Lee family, we stayed up till about midnight, Friday night. Actually, no, it was about 1230 actually, but I had to get a nap in and get some coffee around 10 or 1030 that evening to, to hit that mark. So uh, trying to wake up early, trying to be Uh, awake around 4 o'clock each morning requires (laughs) that I get some good sleep. But uh, we had a great time, and I hope that the new year is treating you well. I want to encourage you to to keep moving forward, to see how you might be able to grow even more. And as you look into 2022, understand um, what good can you do this year, and how might you be able to give glory to God even more, Uh, There are so many great opportunities that we have, and I hope and pray that this podcast will encourage you, will keep you uh, motivated and continue to grow in your faith, your family, your fitness, your food, and in just really every area of your life. So we have been going through my book, Life Beyond the Scale. I've been reading this to you, and today we are in chapter five. If you have not listened to the previous chapters, I would recommend that you go back This is season number six. I recommend that you go back and and take a listen to those uh, chapters. Today, we're in chapter five, and chapter five is called You Have HCM. I am invincible. I cannot be touched. That was the mindset I had in college and in my early 20s. As I mentioned earlier, I was strong. I was bench pressing 325 pounds, weighing 175 pounds in great shape. I had my six-pack. I would meet my future wife, Nikki, in Syracuse, New York in 2003. I was living in Rockford, Illinois at the time. She was living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We met at an event called Campaign for Christ. We both traveled to do some work at a local congregation in Syracuse, New York. We would door knock and hold Bible studies during the day. At night, we would gather for a sermon. It was during this time that I would sweep Nikki off of her feet. (laughs) At least that's the story that I share when people ask how we met. The truth is, I was a little slow in the sense that it took me a while to see that she was interested in me. Eventually, I asked her out one evening to go somewhere to get some dessert. You know, it's funny looking at the connections and similarities we shared. One was with our names. Nikki's maiden name was Benjamin. All right, what are the odds of that? That was enough reason for us to get married. Okay, not really, but it is pretty interesting, right? My minister at the time used to be Nikki's youth minister growing up. What are the odds of that? And now we were both in New York doing the work of the Lord. So what could be better? That first night I asked her out, we went to Friendly's restaurant. One of the sisters was with us as well. My preacher and his family were there, but sitting in another booth. They kept giving me a thumbs up sign as they saw me sitting and talking with Nikki. Nikki and I would talk a lot that week. I learned some some weird things about her. She may not be happy that I'm saying this, but this is already in the book, so what do you do? She was really into dental floss. I still laugh when I think of our conversations about dental floss. One evening while I was driving her home, we got on the conversation about marriage. And during that conversation, I mentioned to her that she might be sitting next to her future husband. Looking back, that was a pretty bold statement. I'm surprised She didn't jump out of the car. When it came time for me to leave, we exchanged information. I tell people that she gave me all of her information, all right? Her phone number, her pager number, social security number, her address. Maybe she didn't give me all of that, but she does get upset when I mention this. But she did give me a lot of her information. When I drove back to Rockford, Illinois with my preacher and his family, his son asked me a question. He asked me, Is Nikki your girlfriend? I think I told him no, but I wish she would be. So all of this took place in August of 2003. Nikki and I would talk quite a bit on the phone. We would talk for hours. That's all we could do since I was in Illinois and she was in Florida. During one of those conversations in the weeks after we met, we got on a discussion of pedicures and manicures. How we began to talk about pedicures and manicures, I have no idea. Eventually, I told her, we need to go and and get a pedicure and manicure together. I think she laughed and then said, how are we going to do that? I told her, well, obviously, I would have to fly there to do it. So that's what I did. That was our first date, getting a petty and a mani. I still remember when Nikki picked me up at the airport, what she was wearing. She had on these white pants, and she was beautiful and still is. Our first kiss was at the airport. I stayed a few days and then had to fly back for work. We would continue to talk on the phone. We also wrote letters to one another. I still remember a photo Nikki sent me. It was taken at her job. She was wearing a brown top and skirt and was beautiful. We met in August, and I proposed that October... I flew to Florida to talk to her dad and to get his permission before I asked her to marry me. She knew it was coming because we had begun to do some ring shopping in Rockford when she arrived and visited. We stayed in separate places when visiting to eliminate the temptation of sexual immorality. I decided on two options concerning how I was going to propose to her. My first option was for us to play the board game called LIFE. Whenever we landed on family or marriage, and I can't remember exactly what's on the board, I would propose. But I decided to go to plan B. I would propose on the beach. doesn't get much better on the beach, right? The only problem was Nikki was not interested going to the beach. She lived next to the beach basically her whole life, so going there was not really a big deal. Eventually, I persuaded her to take us there. By then, it was getting dark. It was windy as well. I got on one knee and through wind and sand in my eyes, I asked her to marry me. Of course, she said yes. We would get married the following year in Rockford, Illinois. There are so many things that attracted me to Nikki. First, she was a Christian. I love the fact that we met doing the work of God. Second, she loved to eat. Yes, she loved to eat. That's really a good thing, all right? Third, she loved to work out. When we met, she was running about four miles a day. Finally, she loved football. So what else could a man ask for? Oh yeah, did I mention that she's beautiful? So after we got married, we stayed in Rockford, Illinois for another year. I was still with Pfizer and eventually got a job promotion to Columbia, Missouri. Overall, life was good. We bought our first home in Illinois. We would buy another house when we moved to Columbia, Missouri. Now, we did have a health scare on our honeymoon in Florida. The first day of our honeymoon, Nikki felt a lump in one of her breasts. We both began to worry, and thankfully, it turned out to be nothing. But a few years later, I would get a health scare. It would be something. It would be life-changing. You see, while living in Columbia, Missouri, I went in for a routine physical The nurse practitioner asked if I wanted a EKG, and I said, yes. No, actually, I said, is it covered by my insurance? She said, yes, and then I said, okay, yes, let's do it. That's when things would change forever. The nurse practitioner said, your T-wave is inverted. That's not good, and that would be the beginning of a lot of doctor's appointments, I would go on and have a series of visits with my local cardiologist, cardiologist at Washington University in St. Louis, and finally, I saw another specialist at the Minneapolis Heart Institute in Minnesota. The diagnosis, HCM. HCM stands for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Now, I know you may be thinking, well, what is that? I didn't know what it was either when I first heard about it. The short story is I have abnormal thickening in a portion of my heart. People who have this genetic condition have excessive thickening, which is why the word hypotrophy is used. This thickening is found in the left ventricle. For more information about this condition, you can check out the website for the number four hcm.org. My life was changing right before my eyes. It appeared that My love affair with exercise was about to vanish. I never thought I had a problem. I never had really any symptoms. Now, instead of being fired up to go to the gym, I was scared. Would would I go into cardiac arrest? Would I drop dead on the treadmill? As I processed more of what was taking place and having more conversations with my physician, I realized that I could still exercise. However, I would have to change what I typically did. Gone were the heavy lifting days Gone were the competitive activities At least that's what I was told and recommended Needless to say, I was a little bit stubborn After my diagnosis, I walked a half marathon My physician did not advise this But you know how men are, we are stubborn But I did it anyway I was beating people walking It was hard to walk the race instead of running it I felt like I was being robbed of my life Having this condition was not fair, but looking back, I realized how blessed I really was and have been. The statements, your T-wave is inverted, you have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, there's one word to describe your condition, unpredictable, hearing those words and statements. It's amazing how some statements really stick with you. I will never forget those words and moments they, when they were uttered. So after being diagnosed with HCM, I had to make some long-term decisions. Many with HCM decide to get an ICD, an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. While it doesn't happen often, some with HCM will experience sudden cardiac arrest. After much prayer, fear, and consultation, a couple of years later, I decided to get a ICD planted in my chest. Talk about a game changer. My chest will not look never look the same. Now I have a scar and a slight bulge on the right side of my chest. I experienced a lot of doubt and fear during that time. I was in a preacher training program, not making a lot of money. I knew I was going to have a massive hospital bill. I began to contemplate if I should get back into secular work. The hospital bill came back, and it was $80,000. I had recently been severed from Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, and thankfully, part of the severance package was keeping my health insurance for a while. I only ended up paying about $1,000 out of pocket. I will tell you, God is good, not just some of the time, but all the time. So, I had my first ICD placed in 2010. I felt like Iron Man afterward, just without all the power and money. I had to take about six weeks off from physical activity. When I was able to jog again, I remember the first time I went out to run and I fell. Talk about bad luck. I instantly thought that I had ruined my new device. Fear crippled me for a long time. I had a hard time lifting dumbbells over 10 pounds in the gym, and I often thought to myself, I'm never going to be able to get anywhere at this pace. I didn't even do push-ups for many years after receiving my device. Gone were my heavy reps on the bench press. But in the process of time, I decided that I couldn't live in fear any longer. Special note. For those who have an ICD and are reading this or listening to this now, I created a motivational journal for you. It's called I Can Do, a motivational journal for people with an ICD. I decided to change what ICD means to me. And if you find yourself struggling to get back to exercise, you'll have to do the same. You can find this journal and this book as well on BenjaminLee.blog. I followed protocol and got back into the groove of lifting. Yet in life, there will always be some kind of obstacle that you will have to overcome. To go beyond the scale, you must be prepared to fight when life tries to knock you down. I know by experience. I had finally begun to overcome the fear of having an ICD, only to have another fear arise. It happened in June of 2014. I was at the gym warming up on the treadmill. I was jogging at a, a at a slow pace, around six miles per hour. About five minutes into my jog, I began to feel weird. Suddenly, all of my teeth started to throb. I began to sweat profusely. I immediately became exhausted. Now, I have never had a heart attack, but if I were to have one, I think this is what it would feel like. I got off the treadmill. And what I should have done was have someone call 911, but again, I was stubborn. I sat there for a few minutes in shock. My ICD had not shocked me, thankfully, but the pain was not going away. Eventually, I drove. Yes, that was a bad idea as well. I drove myself to an urgent care clinic. I told them I thought I may be having a heart attack. I know that's dumb, going to an urgent care clinic, and they said there wasn't much they could do for me there. I called my wife to come pick me up. We didn't immediately go to the ER. In all honesty, I was thinking more about how much all of this was going to cost me. Isn't that a shame? That's why I delayed going to the hospital. Instead, we went to one of those emergency care clinics. They are bigger than a regular urgent care, but smaller than a hospital. Initially, my blood work came back normal, but a few hours later, my tropamine levels came back elevated. I was told that it appeared that I had a heart attack. Well, how could this be? I'm too young to have a heart attack. In fact, that's what I would hear during the weeks following this event. It turned out that I did not have a heart attack. Instead, I had a blood clot in my right coronary artery. Ouch. I was devastated. What did this mean? I had to start over again. That's what it meant. I I went to cardiac rehab and walked super slow on the treadmill. That was the easy part. The hard part was the mental battle I was facing again. But in the process of time, I would decide that I could not live in fear. I had to keep pressing forward. I was on a blood thinner and continued to take it, but... Four years later, thank the Lord, I'm still here. But I again struggled with the scale. My mindset was still not in the place where it needed to be. Even though I could work out, I never felt like I could get back to the intensity I once had. I wasn't doing what I needed to do with my eating. I merely focused on exercise. I've discovered that my mindset at the time, well, it was in the wrong place. I had this limiting belief that I could eat terribly, and as long as I worked out, things would be okay. False. That's a blind spot that I have and that a lot of people have. You can't outwork a bad diet. In the process of time, I would learn that. That, my friend, is chapter five. I hope you are well. Stay strong. Get up. Keep moving forward. I can do So can you. We can do. Let's get after it. Let's make this year epic. Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, BenjaminLee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on Amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do, and so can you. Take care, and God bless.